fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing Episode 2 of Game of Thrones, titled The House of Black and White. As always, spoiler-free, up to the latest aired episode. I'm Chooch, and we'll say hello to Christiana. Hello. Hi, to Nukajis. <laughs> oh, she didn't hear me. Nukajis, hi. Oh, sorry. No, I thought you just called Christiana gorgeous, so. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> well, Which don't you feel is. like an... You yeah. feel like an ass now. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and good evening to Viv, who's joining us from her, her voyage afar. Yeah, 10 feet away from Chooch. <laughs> <laughs> On the last episode, I said you went to Dorne to, for oh. a scouting mission. Can I just say how adorable it was that our non-reader <laughs> is the one that posts the links? And he said that I was in Dorn, and he misspelled Dorn. <laughs> he didn't put the E at the end. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's so cute. I don't even want him to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to give you a chance to talk about last episode. Maybe oh. we'll skip. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. <laughs> no chance to talk about it last episode. You missed your shot. <laughs> Before that, were there any news bits? Were there anything, anything that anybody had seen or scoured? Well, I I wanted to talk for a second about Balticon, if that's okay. That's news. It is news. It's very selfish news. It's just about us and all of our Balticon friends. Um, Balticon's coming coming up Memorial Day weekend, and we are hosting the new media party this year for the first time in a long time, and for the first time as a group with our our um, our fellow hosts here, Nettie and and Christiana, and it's going to be Sunday night in the garden room, 10 p.m. Nutty. That's what time we're opening uh, the doors? I believe so, yeah. Okay, and we're going to start with a memorial for our dear friend and founder of specficmedia.com, PG Holyfield. There will be a, con- a costume contest after the memorial. We'll have dancing. We'll have food. We'll have just the, the theme that we're going with is space because we all know the love that PG had for space as so do we all. Um, and we're if anybody wants to volunteer for the loot, for the prizes, for the costume contest, or if you want to help on participating in any of the other elements, then just let us know. And that is really all I have as far as Balticon. We hope you can <laughs> make it if you're going. We'll see you there. Hope you can swing by and celebrate with us. Mm-hmm. Balticon is super fun. One of the highlights yeah. my year every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. No other Game of Thrones <laughs> news. Why don't you go ahead and give us um, your... I'll just oh. uh, give a hat tip to uh, Nutty uh, just and her meme roundup over at specficmedia.com. Mm-hmm. Some uh, nice finds there. Um, I'm in particular a fan of the shot of uh, Brienne and Podrick standing by their horses looking very serious. And the caption is, party on pain. Party on Tarth. <laughs> I did love that one. <laughs> love it. <laughs> it 
was well, really neat because I got I got a meme response in the comments this week, and so that'll be in uh, next week's Game of Thrones meme roundup. And oh, it's cool. really great. It's about it's about the leaked episode, so I'm I'm kind of happy about that. Mm. <laughs> well, Chuchi, we're gonna give me a quick minute to talk about um, episode one. Yes. And yes. I know that you said that I owe Nutty a rating, and I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Um, I don't know, golden masks of the harpies or whatever those things. Son, son of the harpy, mm-hmm. what are those things called? Sons of the harpy, yeah. yeah. Give me seven out of ten of those masks things. <laughs> okay, that brings um, our cumulative score down to seventy-four. Well, but I am adding an adju- a plus oh. two adjustment because I was in a foul mood. So Ooh. just. You 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 could add a point or two to that just because of my condition when it aired. I'm sure a lot of it is my fault. That's not how this no, works. You give works. your number what yeah. you give it. That's I, it. I gave it a seven. There you, there go. you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, girls. You empower yeah. me. <laughs> no apologizing for our, our ratings here. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Okay. Besides, I I gave it a seven too, and I think okay. we also. We also all acknowledge that we are judging on a Game of Thrones scale here. Yes. We're not yeah. comparing it to all your right. other random TV shows that might be on CBS tonight or something. Yeah. Uh, this is on Game of Thrones scale. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like 9.7. Yeah, 10.7. Um, and I wanted to add on a couple of scenes. I just had a couple of notes. The Cersei's childhood prophecy scene at the beginning of the episode which I thought was really well done. I I didn't realize what it was until it was halfway through. Um, and uh, it just really struck me as she's reflecting on that memory, what a weight that she had to carry for so long and just, yeah, I wonder if that's going to happen or not. And then to have seen it come true, it's just like, well, partially come true. One out of three of her kids has been routed, you know, but, um, and I thought that they, um, I thought they also introduced the sparrows I think that's what they're called here, right? The Sparrows, uh, the religious order. Um, Or not, I guess, fanatics? I don't know if we want to call them that, but they've... Evangelicals. Yeah, yeah. um, Fundamentalists. Lancel is someone that we have had a lot of sympathy for in the past, and seeing that his results, you know, the the different uh, um, parts that he's played in the story, how that could turn him into someone that turns to religion so fiercely. It just totally rang true for me. Is that now, you know, my memory is shoddy on book four. Is that how they re- did it in the book? Um, like as far as like, was Lancel a part of the, of the sparrows? Do you, yes. do you remember? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. That's a very big part of it. He just, mm-hmm. he, in the books, he was very frail. Yeah. Right. He, didn't, oh, yeah. he didn't look all buff and like, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. still looking for. He looks yeah. weak and sickly in the book. But w- one of the things, I, uh, just to that, I, I sort of stood out from what you were just saying. I thought was Lancel is someone we've had a lot of sympathy for, which I don't necessarily disagree. Except just that it he we really only had sympathy for him in the very last time we saw him, which is when he was finally kind of standing up to Cersei a little bit at the Battle of the Blackwater. Everything he did before that was kind of sleazeball and slimy, oh. and he was sleeping with her. And yeah, it was disgusting. Had to threaten him. Yeah, yeah. So. How, how much of a choice did he have in his fate? Honestly. Well, no. I mean, I'm saying that our last memory of him is positive because the last time we saw him is the one time he actually kind of stood up for himself and did something not 
shady. Yeah. Well, then, excellent <laughs> job on the part of the creators and the directors and all that, because I thought they, um, I thought they nailed it the way they timed it. I liked um, in episode one, just finishing up uh, the fact that, like Daenerys, and again, I'm just hitting the visual points here. Daenerys um, is wearing a dress that was had that white shimmery kind of dragon scale detail to it, and it was very light and ethereal and I thought it was a really neat contrast to that black feathered dress that we saw Sansa wear at the end of last season, that mockingbird gown. And it was just like, it, it just, I thought it really contrasted like the ways that their characters were trying to go. Like Daenerys is trying to go this honorable way as a regal uh, ruler and Sansa is just kind of given up and trying to survive. It seems at this point. And then I have a whole thing about John and Mance that's just too long to talk about. <laughs> But that was <laughs> most of my thoughts. I'll probably save that and talk about it later because I think it's going to come back into play later. So cool. that's pretty much uh, the majority of what my thoughts were about the show and what you can see why I didn't make it to log in. Bullock <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, chimes in. I still refer to Lancel as the Millhouse Van Houten of Westeros. <laughs> the short hair works for him. Oh yeah, my God. well, I need to make that into a meme now, and it's going to be nobody likes Lancel. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, the another way to take that meme is to show him looking all buff and and chiseled now with his short hair and saying everything's coming up Millhouse. All right. Oh, there you go. That's a whole other one. <laughs> yeah. He's got to um, be happier with his fate now. I think we can yeah. all agree on that. Well, he he's like he certainly looking good but uh at the same time he's also kind of a creepy weirdo now oh, that yeah yeah that also cersei has got to be really uncomfortable because he knows all kinds of bad stuff that yeah. she did and he's a super religious very confessy sort of guy now yeah <laughs> that's could be bad yeah i think that's coming back around <laughs> i i imagine so so we jump into this episode yeah. Title sequence, we get no Dorn. Disappointing, especially because we actually went there. I'm hoping now that it's yeah. established, I'm thinking they'll get a Tinker Dorn. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Well, that was my, what my overall thought was for this. Um, I mean, because when you watch the opening sequence, you can't see a single thing beyond Castle Black at the wall. Like, nothing. It's just like mm -hmm. white, white land, and and there's nothing... You know, there's been no scenes yet with Bran. There's been no scenes yet with Winterfell. And that's like, I just am like aching, <laughs> you know, as to what kind of an update we're going to get on that when we're seeing things like Theon and, and um, uh, what's his name, Roos in, in, in Ramsey. coming. Yeah, yeah Ramsey Snow, sorry, coming mm -hmm. up attractions. So it's just like, they really delivered on the theme of the title of the episode, though, because there were a lot of like, I thought in many ways this episode there were like really important decisions of choosing one path or another for nearly every character. Yeah. That I yeah. thought was really, really an interesting kind of interpretation of the of things that were happening at this point. Well, and also uh, almost all of these characters are being faced with decisions that are kind of not even the decision they thought they were going to have to make. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, you know, we started right off with Arya, who finally arrives at the house of black and white. And they're like, you know, we don't want any slam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I actually really did like the line though. It's like, I have nowhere else to go. And he's like, you have everywhere else to go. I that was that. the yeah. best. I think I need That's... to like tattoo that on me when, you know, it's like the yeah. best reaction ever. I love it. Yeah, I, like, that was a... I feel like so much of Arya's story though is condensed. Mm. Like there's a couple of chapters that are just shrunken into this one episode. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Maybe that's well. It felt that way to me too. Yeah, I was trying to remember exactly how it went down um, at this point in the book, but like, there's definitely some differences that they're they they're making. In you know, doesn't she have like this whole thing where she's living on the streets before she ever gets to the House of Black and White? Well, so. The, I, 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 I think that it, we can't really, yeah. that I think is coming up. Yeah. I feel like there was more stuff and that's, that's where we'll leave it at. I, yeah. I, exactly. I had the same feeling. forward to a scully face with lots of worms crawling out of it. Um, but that didn't happen, but that's okay. Darn. Because they made him shaken. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. That was like, that was a really, oh, moment. I thought. <laughs> Which, um, Oh, do ahead. we want to talk all about all of uh, Arya's stuff I now, or do we, we want to kind of do it linearly? Because there were some things that interwove a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, move us on, Mister Moderator. So we jump to uh, the Eerie Lands, mm. and mm-hmm. holy shit, number one, they're in the same place. <laughs> I know, especially after that tease last week of mm-hmm. of uh, the carriage going by. I am so excited by some of this because, again, it's like not that I didn't enjoy seeing things I knew from the books play out in the show, but when they're doing stuff that is just completely off book because it's past where the book has been and also just you have some characters like Brienne who are kind of on almost a completely different trajectory than they were in the book. Um, And so having all of this stuff play out where it's like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh, that makes me it's feel kind so of exciting. much better because I, <laughs> I, I remember so little that I have that sense a lot of the time. I'm just like, what could possibly, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's good to know that as much as you guys retain of it, that it's like, not yeah. like that for you as well. I feel like um, also that, that, Brienne and Pod and Sansa and Littlefinger being in the same restaurant and having this meeting is kind of like the the writers going, reacting to everyone saying, you know, having them so close was just stupid because everybody was saying that last week. They're like, that was just stupid. And yeah. I feel like they put that in last week so that they could say, no, it's not stupid. Look. Look, we just teased you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've done so uh, many things like that before where characters are so close to each other and then they don't see each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, John and Bran sob <laughs> from last season. But that happened in the books, too. So. Yeah, I know. I know. They it do. happened twice in the show, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only um, crossing the wall, but then again at Craster's Keep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. So... Brienne gets some more heartbreak, gets turned mm-hmm. down again. Yeah. What I love, though, not that I'm happy that it happens, but I love that it's just so built in. Like, they don't have to come up with some elaborate reason why they would turn her down. It's, it's you know, Littlefinger is able to just say, 
you know, <laughs> Renly said your loyalty came without a price, but someone has clearly paid a lot of money for it since then. Because mm. the thing is, as much as we know that she's really on this noble quest and she's actually really all about doing the right thing, she is walking around with a Valyrian steel sword with Lannister gold hilt yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, and it's, she has going to say something to people. And she's walking around with Tyrion's old uh, squire. Yeah. yeah, still wearing Lannister armor. Yeah, yeah the Lannister yeah. armor, exactly. I mean, I think her whole demeanor in, in this exchange was really, it just really flipped because she's in that really dark armor and her mood is very dark and very brooding. And, and you know, Podrick's just like chasing the honeys with his eyes um, when he spots Sansa and Peter. And it's like, it's almost like the first time you see hope in her eyes in a while. It's like she goes down there and she's like, I can't believe it, can't believe it. And then as soon as she realizes it's really Sansa, she hits her knee and her eyes light up like you haven't seen in an age. Like mm-hmm. the last time we saw it was when she put her eyes on Sansa, you know, and before they got, she was disappointed. Mm-hmm. But it was like this really... uh Beautiful thing, like you said, that we got to see, but Sansa doesn't know shit. And she is finally mm-hmm. now free of the Lannisters. She's with Peter, who she knows has a creepy obsession with her, who has money and power and will protect her because all he wants to do is control her like he couldn't do Cat. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Sansa has seen any of the supernatural stuff. She's literally been closeted in and the keep and unable to see anything mm-hmm. other than leaving the boat and then being at the Erie. She hasn't seen walkers. She hasn't seen dragons. She hasn't seen any the, of the, the red priests or anything like that. Yeah. And, right. And she's even like really insulated. That, even more mm-hmm. than that, she's being pulled out of her daydreams and yeah. her stories. So to tell her that yeah. there's magic, she's going to be like, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just dyed my hair and put mm-hmm. on Maleficent's dress. <laughs> really, I know that stuff. You know what? Well, though, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say the the it's the tragic heartbreak of Brienne being as awesome as she is, mm-hmm. unfortunately, actively undercutting her success. Because the thing is, if she stopped going around telling people it was a shadow with a face (laughs) that killed Renly, and she said, yeah, some dude slipped into the tent and stabbed him when we weren't looking, and then he got away. People would believe that more quickly than they believe the shadow with the face thing. And now, as we saw this time, Littlefinger makes her look stupid when she says it. It makes her look crazy. And the thing is, Brienne believes all those stories that Sansa believed. You know, a knight is good and true. A knight is only as good as their honor. And the knight follows and their honor. And she is yeah. everything that Sansa ever believed a knight was. But Sansa doesn't believe that she's a knight because she's seen, yeah. A, that knights suck. And well, she's just B, too late. Yeah. And B, Brienne's a woman. And then yeah. Brienne is still holding to this ideal. Like, Ned Stark mm-hmm. would have loved her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, my God, he would have adopted her. Are you kidding me? But you know what I thought was really cute is that you pretty much knew, again, going visual, what Sansa's uh, response might be because she had, you know, in addition to the black hair and the black gown, she had on, like, I think of it as kind of like, you know, the trend of the statement necklaces right now where people are wearing these really huge things. Hers was like that circle with a bar through it, but in black, like, nope, 
And so, like, it was, like, as soon as Brienne tried, you know, it looked like Sansa considered it, but we had that subliminal, you know, big black nope going on on her chest, and it was just like, Brienne didn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. But I want that necklace. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, I, it's so great just because, um, very similar to the whole fight with uh, the Hound last season with mm-hmm. Arya, it's just one of those things that, at the same time that it's the exact opposite of what we want to happen, it's so obvious from everything that came before that this is the only way it could have ever happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't have made any sense for there to be any other outcome than what happened this time. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't fault Sansa for not going with Brienne. Well, well like, yeah. Start like, thinking a little bit like what's going to happen if Brienne actually gets her hands on one of the Stark girls. She's going to go to Winterfell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not clear. Bolton will marry her. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to also add that I do give Brienne some credit because she tells Pod to get all the horses ready. She's planning for failure. So yeah. I give her credit there. Really? Well, I think she's also potentially planning for, I might have to grab Sansa and yeah. then run out with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, ladies. Um, Chooch, unless you have a question as, a, as our resident unspoiled noob, mm-hmm. I have a question for them. Hit it. So since you guys remember so much more from the book, up to this point in the story that they've shown on the books, because we don't want to go advance and spoil anybody, do mm-hmm. we have any idea at this point what is going on with Brienne? Are Pod and Brienne still together? Did that just happen? And do we hear about it in whose point of view? It's mm. it's hard to tell because it's it's so different. They're really just yeah, kind of so jumbled. Other than the like almost everything that Brienne has done in the show since leaving King's Landing on Jamie's, you know, assignment, almost everything that's happened since then has been completely different from the book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dandor got into the fight with Rorg and Biter. Yeah. Um, instead of her, right. uh, she never meets Arya. She never meets Sansa, so far as we know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all new stuff, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. Then I don't feel as bad for not remembering it. <laughs> there, there is that sense of camaraderie between her and Pod, the growing yeah. relationship, but I I feel it even more in the show. And uh, as I've said in previous episodes, to me, Brienne and Pod are. Duncan Egg reborn. <laughs> and I think that I see that even more in the show than I've ever seen it in the books. Aww. Though so it does not go well, and she does have to make a hasty escape yeah. retreat. And it was funny when they're uh, they have the fork in the road and Pod goes one way and it mm-hmm. and all I could mm-hmm. hear was like Indy Indiana Jones or something, like short round, stop messing around. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but I think Pod did that on purpose. Oh, I think he was trying yeah. to split them up, like lead them away from yeah, her. I do think that he he's a bad horse rider, but I think yeah. he split them up. One thinking they're not going to really hurt me because I don't have armor, and uh-huh. uh, two, you know, less people the better. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what one of the things I really liked. Um, about this bit though is that I think it was the first or at least the biggest so far moment of genuine concern for Pod from Brienne. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Like, you know, like she has tolerated him, even though he's annoying and is appreciated his assistance. But this, I think the first time when she sort of just realizes, oh, where's pot? Is he okay? Right. And, and there's this moment where you sense that she, she really wants him to be okay. And, and she gives up the chase of uh, Sansa. Yeah. Right. He's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she saw where they were going. So, and I kind of, I guess I was kind of expecting like a breakdown because she lost both of them and both the girls. And, mm-hmm. but no, she's just whole hog. Nope. Made a promise to her mother. She going to be safe with them. Yeah. Although, you know, one of the things that occurred to me that I thought was really interesting, and I'm not really questioning how I feel about it in the show, because I'm totally on Brienne's side, obviously, because she's awesome. But it did occur to me that her decision to say, I'm not going to respect what Sansa says her wishes are. I'm going to go after her and rescue her against her will, if need be. Mm -hmm. Uh, how would that play if Brienne was actually a male character? Mm. Not well at all. <laughs> right. Agreed. Now th- but that said, I think that's actually part of what makes it interesting is that we have that behavior that would come across that way from a male character. So does it come across that way with Brienne? Because we know what she's really all about, and we also sort of instinctively feel that Littlefinger's probably not good for Sansa in the long run. Because as much as she's been, she you know, she took a level in badass, to use the TV trope term. Um, I, I like her, but I don't, she's not, she's not Littlefinger level. You know what I mean? Like, he's still got her outclassed by a pretty wide margin. And so if it comes down to it, he wins, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we can also share Brienne's concern, but it's also true that it's like at a point is like if she has explicitly refused your help, but I suppose there's also merit to be said in, you know, it's like hypothetically, if you suspected someone was in an abusive relationship, you might not necessarily trust the answer that they give when the guy's standing right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also, I feel like her decisions about Sansa are her making up for her lack of planning and some of her decisions in finding Arya. Mm. You know, Arya didn't want to be rescued, and she failed at trying to get Arya away from Sandor. Right. Again, knowing that's a bad guy. Yeah. really don't want to be with him. And then she meets Sansa with Littlefinger, and is, okay, no, that that's really a bad guy. Yeah, that's a bad and powerful guy. Yeah, that's well, even see, worse. I, it occurred to me, though, that other than him having a general reputation, he doesn't, well, and him being mean to her there in the end, he doesn't really have any specific reason to distrust him, does she? Doesn't she know about um, him uh, giving, that, that, that he said that the dagger was Tyrion's, and then after talking to Jamie, knowing that it's not, or was that never specifically stated? Oh, no, I think you might be right, because yeah. Catelyn may have told her that yeah. after Renly died. She and it, It's not so much on the screen, but they definitely were really tight. So even mm-hmm. if we didn't see it on the screen, I'm pretty sure that Brienne yeah. had a good idea what Catelyn was thinking about Littlefinger and what mm-hmm. Catelyn was thinking about everyone. That, you know, you might be right. I had forgotten um, about that element of it. So certainly 
uh, Littlefinger was not in Catelyn's good graces at the time that Brienne was serving her. Mm-mm. It may just be that's what she needs to go on. You know, she can't not have right. a quest or anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I think there's what? there is that element too of if she doesn't do this, then what does she do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's jump over to King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Some Cersei and Jamie talk and naked a box strange <laughs> on the table. That that was cool. Somebody presumably had to go set up again so that Jamie could experience it. I was just going to say, did Cersei yeah. put it back together so Jamie could be just? I wondered the same thing. <laughs> so, what was very interesting to me here is this is another scene where we've got Jamie and Cersei's opinions being flipped from the books. Because in the books, he's like, "Let everyone know that there are kids, and she's yeah. my daughter. Let them know." I don't care and let them come there. Everybody knows anyway, and we're still standing. And, and Cersei's like, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. Whereas in the show, Jamie's like, if we do that, we're all going to die. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm he just said it for a minute though. He begged her. Yeah. I think it was when he first came back. I don't care. Let's tell everybody. Screw it. The Targaryens did it. You know, what are they mm-hmm. going to do? Stop us. They definitely have kind of a whole, different dynamic going on with that because um Mm -hmm. certainly at this equivalent spot in the books neither of them was very fond of the other at this point Mm. uh but then also just with this whole jamie's new mission here that's completely new new. yep and how great is that right i know i I wonder if it was a manipulation on her part you know, bringing up, you've never been a father. What have you done for her? And he's like, his well, gears turn. Well, I could go get her. Will you fuck me then? <laughs> I feel like Cersei's very first cry upon being born was a manipulation. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> she has never done anything in her life that was not a manipulation of something. Mm-hmm. I no. agree wholeheartedly. That should be a t shirt or a bumper sticker. Yeah, <laughs> first cry was a manipulation. <laughs> yeah, and so Jamie, you know, I never said I was going alone, and immediately my heart skipped a beat. Wait, could it be? Like, it's got to be. Cut scene. Well, I, Ta-da! I, I guessed that it was going to be him. Like, yeah. I, for, I hoped anyway, but I guessed partly just because I saw Jerome Flynn's name in the credits, and I said, <gasps> <laughs> they're going to give us something with Bronn. He's going to, they're going to have to give him something to do. Cause I don't think him just going off and getting married to Lala Stokeworth is necessarily super entertaining. Although no. I have to say the one scene with her so far that they showed was actually pretty good. So. Yeah. I love that scene. I mean, mm-hmm. they skipped the part about her being pregnant. They skipped the, mm-hmm. you know, all these other things. Um, he's not the, the in charge of the city watch like he was in the books, but mm-hmm. the, the talking about the sister and, him basically saying karma will happen. You know that the gears are going yeah. on in his head. Yeah. Oh no, we'll get this castle. He's quite ambitious. And the actress playing Lawless is perfect because you feel for her. You mm-hmm. really feel for her. She's like a little Sansa. And he makes She's her hopeful. feel good. Mm-hmm. But I we love. also get why Tyrion's response would have been, but she's dim-witted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I wonder because of the deal that Jamie makes if we're ever going to see Lawless again. 
Mm. And if maybe well, this was just a bone to the book readers. Yeah, uh, that's my suspicion. As Tim Dodge actually says in the QA, Q&A, Jamie saved Braun from the altar. See, I, I am not sure I, I completely agree with that characterization because he, I think even though Braun was not necessarily super into Lawless as a person, he was definitely into the idea of being a lord who might get a castle if he uh, plays his cards right. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, because that's essentially what he said to Tyrion last time when Tyrion wanted him to be his champion. Is It's like, look, you know, you told me if anyone ever tried to pay me to sell you out that you, I should give you a chance to double the price, but they've offered me a wife and a castle. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a twice as good wife and castle? Yep. And so I think he was, he was into it, if not necessarily, you know, pumped about, uh, lawless specifically. Yeah. But I All think, right. you know, like even when he first saw the deal that Jamie, you know, like the scroll, I like I think his first reaction was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're messing with my thing here. Um, yeah. But, you know, Jamie promises him a, a better one. Yes. And what was that to mention? Uh, Jamie's leather vest jacket thing is just awesome. So sexy. Oh, mm. my God. He looks so sexy. And he's in that. getting the Reed Richards gray going on. <laughs> mm, love it. Good. I'm such a fan of the the graying temples. Oh God, what do you see, Chooch? Oh my God, all that gold <laughs> hair, silver. Oh my God, girl. Yes, Tim Dodge. Yes. <laughs> to quote Monty Python, she has great big tracts of land. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some other movie that has a quote that wears like a better one and I can't think of what it is now mm. well mm. oh well never mind right. but I'm looking forward <laughs> to the Jamie wait. Braun buddy cop show this is I think going to be really enjoyable See, I think it's going to be a really fun ride which boat they'll be on if they'll be on the Fed Express, or if they'll be on the slow mm. boat, because well, you never know, you know in this land. Yeah, because well, it's, I think hmm. it's Braun. It's going to be a party boat. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember in the books, just in terms of the geography, whether it's more typical to go by sea or by land from King's Landing to Dorne, because it's south of there and it's a ways, but, um, but w by ship, you have to kind of go all the way around some other land masses i think or it was not. by land yeah but mm. geography so doesn't always seem to matter it's just whatever it was the cool plot though we got to see prince doran and mm -hmm. oh my mention God. of the sand snakes prince doran being uh -huh. played by alexander siddig makes me so happy so what else has he been in that's dr bashir <laughs> from deep space nine i never watched it so that's why I asked. You hurt me so hard. Oh, baby, it's just to tantalize you. You gotta keep coming around and teach me these things. <laughs> I liked I liked him as Doran, although you know I've talked in the past about how typically I don't really form a strong mental picture of characters, and so I'm mm -hmm. not thrown off when an actor looks different or anything. Yeah, Doran was one of the only exceptions, just in particular because um, I think in the book he's described as you know, looking and feeling a lot more old and sickly. Whereas here, yes. he's clearly not healthy, but otherwise he's looking pretty tough despite right. being in the chair and not moving around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which was also the reason why he went and why uh, um, 
Oberon went instead of him was because he was so sick and unable to travel. And he, I, I agree, he looked healthy, Christiana. Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. gout. Um, by the way, looking at the map, and it does appear that uh, you could go by boat or by land, and I'm now reminded that uh, the reason why land is also very, very slow is um, there's a lot of mountains between Dorne and the rest yeah. of, uh, of, of the place. West right. West. There we go. Well, and because <laughs> the, the trick, I think now that uh, we say that the, the 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 trick is that sort by sea is faster, but you know riskier because you're just yeah. you're in the water and who knows what might happen. Whereas you know the uh, the by land is the long slow road where it's really only mostly bandits and boredom that you'd be worried about yeah. <laughs> and well you're you're going with a through the narrow sea so there's pirates and mm-hmm. all sorts of things there so yeah she mentioned the sand snakes are behind me and a few times in the past mm-hmm. you guys have said up oh, sand snakes sand snakes are coming sand snakes <laughs> and not having a clue of course in yeah. my picture i'm seeing beetlejuice style <laughs> literal <laughs> Sand snakes. So, oh, you know that's that's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this oh, was I the first it. one that I'm like, the sand snakes are behind me. I'm like, oh, so it's probably not going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually really never cool. know. I mean, this is um, a magical realm, yeah. and have we heard of a magical creature from Dorn yet? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I actually didn't recognize Ilaria right away from with her shorter hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took me a minute to realize that's who it was. Yeah. It makes me wonder, did she cut her hair as an, a sign of mourning? Yeah. I suspect oh, wow. so. My goodness. But it also, see, this is another example, though, of sometimes how the show kind of fudges time a mm-hmm. little bit. Because it doesn't seem like it's really been weeks since mm-hmm. Oberyn. You know, and, and yet she's all the way back down in Dorne, and not only back in Dorne, but appears to have been there for a little while. Yeah, right. in the books, she's still traveling back with his remains. Mm-hmm. And we first meet Prince Duran um, in the Water Gardens, and uh, there's yeah. kids everywhere. Yeah, I miss that. There's kids everywhere laughing and playing, and the reason why he sits there is, even though he's in terrible pain because of his gout, it brings him happiness to watch the children play. Yeah. Which m- maybe they took out because it might have seemed a little pedophilic or creepy on screen. I don't no, know, but, but I, yeah. I liked the idea of it. And I feel like some of these conversations, definitely what goes on here doesn't happen in one conversation. But some of these conversations happen with some other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they definitely. I like his, uh, bodyguard dude. He looks cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think they, I hope that they fill that in a little bit, Nettie, because I agree. I, the water gardens, that can't be where they were, because that's not how I pictured it, it at all with the children playing and all that kind of stuff. So I was also disappointed. And I hope, I hope we get to see that, because that was one of the things that really charmed me about him. And, and it we, wasn't, and there was nothing pedophilia. I mean, yeah, no, if I'm wrong, because I'm great. the fool that missed out on Loris and Renly. Remember that. <laughs> No, no, I mean, I think you're right. It, it seemed perfectly innocent in the yeah. book, as far as I could tell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and we also find that, yes, they did age up Marcella. Thank mm-hmm. God. Yes. Right? I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it seems like they kind of have to if they're doing yeah. it. Um, and it, like, doesn't make any sense for her they're to. They're not going to change order. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and then also just again, you know, without getting into it, just some of the, uh, you know, if she's going to play more of a role Mm -hmm. on this show, (laughs) you know, uh, things happen. I don't know. That's I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I just mean I think it all it just again, like with every single kid on the show, I feel like it makes more sense for them to be a little older than the number that's given in the book. Yeah. For American audiences, for sure. Mm-hmm. Chooch, what did you think of that little brief, brief shot of Marcella in Dorne? Did you have any other than, hey, that's Cersei's brat? So I think that, that was my assumption. It, I just flowed with it. Kids yeah. playing and, well, they weren't just playing. They looked like yeah. they were making eyes. But. Didn't it <laughs> remind you, babe, of like Sansa when she first got to... Uh, to um, what you call it? King's Landing. King's to the King's Landing. Landing, when she was like in love with Joffrey before she realized she was all kind of smitten, and then she was smitten yeah. with Loras, mm-hmm. and it was, I, I, I was honestly kind of happy to see Marcella in that kind of little playful thing, like you were talking about. That just um, when you mentioned Sansa when she was still in love with Joffrey, just reminds me. Um, I, I, <laughs> I found the greatest uh, photo that. Uh, I used as a photo comment on Facebook when people were talking about um, spoilers just in general, like Mm not Game of Thrones specifically. But um, I had this vague hint of an idea and then I did a Google search and then it came up. It's, it's basically a shot of uh, Sansa from, I think episode two when she's mad at Arya and it's her just with this pursed up expression going, you're spoiling it. You're spoiling everything. And so it's just a picture of her, that face in that caption. And I just thought, Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> perfect. I, you have to send me that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it. Let's jump over to Marine. We find that, uh, the, uh, second sons. I mm-hmm. wanted to say seven sons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to J.C. Hutchins. They're a little more effective <laughs> detectives than the Unsullied. Right. I really loved the line as, you know, he says, you, with, without fear, you forget how to hide. Mm-hmm. That's pretty brilliant. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just like this um, this uh, rivalry they've got going between Dario and Grey Worm. I mean, that's, you know, that's new, but uh, I, that's just another thing that I like. Yeah. I feel like it's because um, Sir Jorah is gone mm. that um, he needs somebody to rival against. Like, Dario has to be top guy. Yeah. yeah. And, so, where's yeah. Jorah again? I forget. Is he back at... Um, oh, we haven't seen him since Danny banished him. Yeah. Like, okay. Hmm. My prediction is that he's raised an army in Danny's name. I think he's sneaking along behind her, like, like you know, Meagle. <laughs> <laughs> he's just stalking her. My posing. My Khaleesi. <laughs> exactly. Is, okay, now we were talking about Orphan Black before we started recording. <laughs> it has to be mentioned that we have the same actor who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. Um, yeah, it's Cal. We've mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Cal from Orphan Black, but now Orphan Black has started up again. So it's literally back-to-back Dario and Cal, and it's like <laughs> at least have a matching accent so I can <laughs> stop being so confused. <laughs> nope. 
God, he's hot though. Yeah, I, I was mean, gonna say you're just gonna have to suffer through it, baby. And he's so much hotter than the other Daria. I'm over it now. I'm okay with it. But <laughs> I've adjusted to to to. Count. Yeah, I'm I'm coming around to not uh, like well, okay. Regular listeners of this show, and certainly you guys know that I've. I have a complicated relationship with Dario as a character. <laughs> He's the the guy I that needs love to be to on hate. a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he is interesting storytelling because he is like a booby trap for Danny. Yep. Um, and and so I, but I'm kind of coming around. Just in, the actor is so damn charming. So it's just mm-hmm. like it's hard to hate. Dario in the show quite the same way that I did in the books. Right. It's a different kind of. (laughs) Yeah. So um, speaking of Grey Worm, by the way, my mom was up visiting and we got into this discussion about the most attractive U.S. presidents. Oh, Uh, okay. The the, the end result was uh, not important to this. But when I mentioned Obama, she says, he's attractive, but I can't stand his voice. So I said, oh, you should be watching Game of Thrones. Then you would think <laughs> Grey Worm has everything. Grey Worm is pretty hot, I gotta say. <laughs> but he looks like Obama. Yeah. He does, I guess. I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought of him. <laughs> oh, they were yeah, talking that way. I think of him being Obama. Oh, okay. See, I miss a lot of that stuff. That's what we count on you for in your meme round. <laughs> and and completely off topic, uh, the 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 end result is my mom is wrong and I am right. Teddy Roosevelt is the most attractive, and uh, she's wrong. JFK mm. is not. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with you because anytime someone wins over their mom, I gotta give them props, but. <laughs> We'll have a conversation separately about that. <laughs> See, I feel like I've been inclined to disagree, but I don't know off the top of my head who yeah. I'd pick instead. It's like, where do you JFK go? was pretty good looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we we, we, well, we had a whole discussion and we, we gave points and, and then we found a list online and it agreed with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's a list online and clearly it's beyond dispute. It's on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, so it we must have, be true. Uh, Danny Small Council. Oh, thank yeah. you. Uh, all the um, different classes represented. Yeah. Um, so I think I read somewhere that the the slave, um, or former slave, I should say, um, who is now on her council is Mosador. Okay. And then, of course, we also have Hidzar Wolorak. I think I'm Where saying that right. That? Yeah. <laughs> um, who we met last season as the guy who persuaded her to finally cut, let the, the, the crucified masters be cut down. Um, so having him, you know, yeah. contributing now too. Um, but so them and then Barristan still there, they're talking about what's the, what's the right idea for justice here. Right. And although I liked the conversation from Barristan about um, the Mad King Father, I, at, at the same time that I kind of like it, I just sort of feel like I can't imagine that they wouldn't have had this conversation already right. about like yeah. him having to tell her, oh, no, it was not lies. He was really like that. Well, like, I can't imagine that wouldn't have cut up, come up before now. Yeah. That's another stumbling block for Barristan uh, not hiding his identity Mm-hmm. As he did in the books, uh, as we discussed in the books, he had his identity hidden. He was at an old squire for this uh, guy, Strong Belwas, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until Danny finds out who he is 
because other people she meets up with at Marine make it known. And once she finds out who he is, that's when he tells her about Ser Jorah's betrayal. Mm-hmm. That's when that comes out. That's why he waits so long to have this discussion about the Mad King. Whereas mm-hmm. in the show, I mean, this is this just shows, okay, it makes things a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like that's one of, like, the first quiet moment. I feel like she's like, so tell me about my dad. And yeah. it's the king. You know, mm-hmm. like, How I did that-, like that would come up. I think it was really effective, though. I mean, at least, you know. He, yeah, I like the conversation. He mm. didn't just go mad. It was step by step. Everything was logical as he, you know, slippery mm-hmm. slopes and all that. The one thing that bugged me is Danny being Danny. It's like the last conversation is her opinion. Uh, whoever talks to her last. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I'm agreeing. Uh uh, there's also the the shave bait that I feel like we're missing because the we talk, in the in the books there's uh the shave bait uh, I forget his <laughs> name but it's it's one of the masters who shaved himself and basically said we were wrong all along mm-hmm. and so there's this whole cast of people that came from the privileged class who said Danny is right we are wrong. And vowed their service to her. And they're the ones that I think the Sons of the Harvey first come to or something else. I don't remember. There's something about that. And there's this whole thing going on there. And we're just completely missing that. So what we see in the small counter is she's got one of the guys from the Second Sons who's an outsider, a slave, a master, and the old white dude from Westeros. So you're missing the fact that there are some of the master's class who don't agree with the Sons of the Harpy and don't agree with all the other masters. Well, I, I don't think Hidzar, in this context, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to agree with the Sons of the Harpy. That's true. He seems, uh, and, he seems a bit more moderate. Yeah, he seem, he's the one basically saying, like, because Mosador, the former slave, is the one of saying, oh, you just know that all the old families know what's really going on, and he's yeah. like, I'm from an old family, and I don't know. Exactly. You could be lying too, though. Well, uh, that's true. But yeah, it's uh, it, it is interesting just having the that whole little small council set up now. Yeah, we've got uh, uh, a couple of uh, comments in our Q and A. We have uh, John Donahue, strong Belwas piss on their city, and <laughs> the Braxton beasts. <laughs> um. Just uh, yeah, strong Belwas is is missed. Um, just for, he's a fun character from the books that they've just you know omitted for time. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah they they do a lot of condensing of characters yeah. and stories. Mm-hmm. So. Right, and the thing is, it's like we don't need him for plot really, but no, he was fun. He doesn't so. do anything. He's comic yeah. relief. Yeah, he's Cordelia. Uh, uh, and then, of course, Sheriff Bullock also says, where is Sir Jorah? I think he's posing for romance no- novel covers like Viv observed. Danny needs to hire a public relations staff and do some damage control. May I suggest she start a 24-hour propaganda network? <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, Sheriff Bullock, you're awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so like, I have more to say about that whole storyline, but um, it's, it's the later scenes from it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Set over to the road to Valantis, which goes to the road to Marie. 
<laughs> Varys and Tyrion on the road to Volantis just feels like it should be one of those old movies with, you know, Bob like Hope and Bob Hope, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Or, or with Brian and Stewie from Family Guy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that may be more. Into box talk with Varys and Tyrion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> box talk. I I love, especially given that Varys has got this whole like. Like, the two of them bounce off of each other so well because Varys is, like, uber practical, uber cynical, but with this super romanticized, idealistic goal. Yes. At the heart of it. Yeah. Whereas Tyrion is much more inclined to think, well, like, the way you do things all along matters. And the goal, you know, it's like... Oh, ruler? We've got a ruler. There's lots of rulers. Every pile of shit on the side of the road has somebody's banner over it. And so he's kind one. of yeah, so he's kind of the one to just question is like, is this even something worth doing anything about? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why is this girl gonna be any better than anybody else? He cared and they burned it out of him. Mm. Yep. And, but I mean, uh, the line, did I misrepresent my intentions when oh, they're criticizing him? It was like, that's all I have to do is tell people that I plan on getting wasted. Awesome. Well, he I did say, did I misrepresent? The whole time. Right? You get mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I yeah. should note that in the books, he's traveling with Master Illyrio. I don't think it matters. I like. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that it's Varys. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have more of a connection to him, and I really enjoy this actor. So, yeah, well, especially in the book, Varys just sorry. <laughs> I think he just is really good as at keeping the thoughts of Westeros and the realm and all of that kind of in focus, even though Tyrion is going into this like drunken, awesome, fun-looking slide where he doesn't care about anything about more wine. Mm-hmm. I, I was just going to say it's also a benefit just because um, in the books, uh, Varys is really just completely off screen for quite a while. And so um, to not have to lose that actor is nice. Yeah. Um, I also liked just the visual motif and the layered metaphor of in the box, out outside the box, yeah. and what that means, and just in the practicality of he's you know spent the voyage in a crate, and now he's just you know it's a nicer box, but it's still a box. He can't go anywhere. Um, but then just that whole idea of you know you know you build this box to separate you from the people who disgust you, but at the same time you'll never be satisfied as long as you stay in there. Right. And you know that sort of thing. Um, I just I liked all that stuff. It was great. Yeah. And another. It was a pretty box. Excellent transition straight into let's go for a walk. What? Are they going to kill every dwarf? (laughs) Oh, they're going to try. Yeah, they are. That's (laughs) so fine with it. It was, it was a. Kyburn's excited about it. Yeah, he's all like, you're going to eat that? You're not going to finish that, are you? Yeah. yeah, he's not that gross in the book. Oh, God. <laughs> but it explains a lot. It explains <laughs> why he was able to keep Jamie alive, because he does these creepy, macabre mm-hmm. experiments. And, yeah. and um, in, the, in the books, um, 
the dwarf is somebody that you meet that Brienne has met. Mm-hmm. So like in the books, every time certain things like this happen, it's it's you yeah. know who they are. Well, yeah, there's yeah, there's kind of that's there's a whole other subplot there too. I think that they're probably just not gonna do. Well, yeah. that that not this scene. That's well, I know. Anyway, I'm yeah. just, it was yeah. just gross. Yeah. It was just it gross. is gross, and I think I that that dwarf that... had a pretty good likeness. Mm. Well, I mean, but I mean, it's clear she doesn't even care. It could have been a dwarf with black hair, and I think she would have just as looked at it anyways and been like, "Ah, oh, well, no, no, that's not him." But keep trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? I she, her yeah, her I is so loss of life. She has yeah. Yeah. she is anyone. Clearly, with it's no, all no, hate. no penalty. Just we don't want to dissuade anybody. Yeah, I mean, what in her mind? What value do they have? They probably killed their mother coming out too. You know, well, she's mm-hmm. just totally. And I think that Cersei just paints all dwarves with the same breaststroke. Yeah. I think that she's holding them all accountable, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't bother her one bit. And we've seen people, and and in her mind it makes sense, but we've seen people who get very emotional and they have that kind of mentality. Yeah. Well, one person from a specific group hurt me once, so I hate all people from that specific group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not good, but it's believable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think also in this particular case, it's not even like hatred of dwarves so much as yeah. she just really does not care. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, it's <laughs> you know she is she is angry and upset because it's not Tyrion. Otherwise, she couldn't yep. couldn't give a damn. Yeah, but um, we've got a slightly spoilery question in the Q and A, um, just because it's something they may or may not do. I suspect that they will. Uh, for those of you who can see the question, but I think maybe we leave it there because otherwise it's potentially. Okay, yeah, let's leave it there because I I don't even know how to see it. So we'll uh, maybe it'll be something that we'll see in the next episode or in another upcoming episode. Is that uh, what you were thinking? Yeah, I, I sus- yeah, I suspect that they're gonna get there uh, with Tyrion's storyline. Cool. All right. Well then, please send us that question again. It's not super spoilery. It's just a general direction of the plot. Yeah. All right. So we get creepy Kyburn. Can I keep it? And yeah. then we jump to mm-hmm. uh, Cersei's. Well, it's not Cersei's small council, is it? Uh, well, it's she wants it to be. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of awkward, uh, but and she an interesting... comes in swinging her dick around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sits right there in the uh, the hands seat and just says, "Well, of course I'm not the the hand because it would be completely inappropriate for a woman to be the hand." I'll just advise the king until he comes of age. Right. <laughs> just that one creepy little part. <laughs> Question from Lauren. Is there any chance Sir Santoman actually talked about the council? And I doubt it. She probably has <laughs> uh, I him... know Lauren. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. She probably has him locked away and distracted with other things. And he doesn't need to worry about any of this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I bet if uh, if they talked at all, it was just only in the context of, don't you worry about it. There's plenty of time for you to start learning about that sort of thing, but I'll just take care of it. I'll make sure that things go the right way. I think that's right. probably all they would have said. Um, well, I know Lauren from my improv classes, by the way. So, hi. 
Hi, Lori. Hi. Um, I think, or no, I she would tell him, you know, oh, well, of course you're going to want to do this. And of course you, you know, so like she, if, if she does talk to him at all, it's more along the lines of, yes, this makes perfect sense. Everyone would decide this. And, and, you know, he's such a sweet boy that, it, oh yeah, mom, that's a good idea. Right. Well, and Marjorie's looking pretty hot. <laughs> that's true. So, um, on the subject of the small council. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, did you have you have a? Oh yeah, yeah. Just that. Yeah, she comes in, all guns blazing, and um, mm-hmm. you know, you got the oh well, I would be happy to you know be the hand and all that, and she mm-hmm. knows how to shut Pycelle up. <laughs> By the way, this is our new master whispers. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you remember who Kevin was, Huge? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay, There's a good. character I, later I was... on in the episode that I don't remember, but I did remember Kevin, yes. Because mm. um, uh, the uh, I, I just we hadn't seen him for a while, and like in the books, he plays a significant role in Tyrion's trial. So I was I had been a little surprised that he hadn't shown up last season. Um, but uh, it was nice to have him be here and awesome, especially kind of calling her out on the obvious BS she's spinning. Um, one additional change that I'm sure uh, Nutty was maybe going to bring up too, just a change from the book is that um, in the book, she, Cersei specifically did not want Mace Tyrell on the small council. Yeah. Um, because, uh, because he's a Tyrell and she doesn't trust the Tyrells. Right. Um, I think in the, in the show, they just, uh, in, you know, instead of introducing some new brand character, brand new character that we don't care about, they've kind of established him as, oh, he'll do anything she says. And so, and he's yeah. loaded. They're loaded. They, I mean, they've Actually, already established mm-hmm. that the Lannisters went broke funding the realm and Hey, the ter- the Tyrells <laughs> still have money. And yeah. I feel like, um, in the show, it's obvious that Cersei understands Mace is kind of a fool, mm-hmm. whereas in the books, she thinks he is everything people says say about him, that he's he is the great lord and all this other stuff. Not, mm-hmm. you know, because in the books, yes, Lady Olena has a lot to do with how the house is run, but the public, to the public, it's Mace. You know, Mace does everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the books. She doesn't realize that he's a fool. Whereas you're watching this scene with the council. And, oh, yes, that would be very nice. Oh, yeah. And you can mm-hmm. see he's like, I wonder what I would do, you know, because he's kind of dumb. And yeah. um, and that's fine. And and there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other stuff like with Sir Kevin that happened that they didn't really include. But I think they just kind of skimmed it up and, and did it yeah. all in that one scene, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically comes out to Cersei and says, yeah, you've been doing a shit job and hmm. you should go to Castlerly Rock and I'll be hand, but you you go away and things mm-hmm. will be good. And he was much more in line with Tywin, whereas in the show, it seems like she thinks, OK, I, I can kind of control Sir Uncle Kevin and I can get him on my side and that she's a little bit surprised by this reaction. At least that was my take on it. And then he just, yeah. all right, Uncle yep. Kev out right. and yeah. fuck the realm. Like, if you're <laughs> doing drop. a horrible job and you're you're taking over, but I'm not going to do anything about it. 
And his brother was just killed by one of his damn kids. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that was um, his brother well, that was on that toilet. <laughs> yeah. um, my favorite detail, I think, about this scene was not something that was really called attention to in any way. But I just loved Kyburn's whole demeanor in that yes. of just like, <laughs> I know this is a big deal that I'm here and I'm just going to go ahead and not say anything right now and uh, just hang out. I'm a little uncomfortable, but I'll just let you guys do your thing. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. creepy in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the small council is also smaller in the shows than in the books. Like yeah. Many things, which is fine. Let's jump to a bigger space, Castle Black, up yeah. in the north, where we have uh, Shireen giving more reading lessons, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gilly's learning to read. I love it. And that was so precious. annoyed with Sam mm-hmm. being a know-it-all, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we get the long, long, long time payoff for her affliction mm-hmm. of what it actually yeah. is. So, yeah. Chooch, tell us your thoughts about this. Uh, it was pretty wild. Um, part of it was finally we uh, you know know exactly what it was or or assume what it was, and that it's not ongoing. You know, it's something that was passed away. But I don't know what to think about it. There's a lot of crazy shit in the north. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we got more information here than we did in the books. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we at least up to that, this point that the maesters like how hard maesters work to stop it for Shireen. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was nice to have uh Maester Cresson get name checked yeah. just cause yeah. uh, people who don't remember Maester Cresson was the guy who tried to poison Melisandre way back in season two, um, only to have her say, poison, eh? Oh, yeah. Now you're turn. And he knew he was going to die, remember? Because he poisoned both of the drinks knowing that they just had to drink it. If he could just get her to drink it. So he knew he was, it was a suicide mission. Mm -hmm. And she just, her little throat jewel lit up and she burned up poison and laughed or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But that was, that was Maester Cresson um, that did that. You're right. That was a good callback. Um, Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like, at this point in the books, we we knew what grayscale was, at least in the broad strokes of it, but it had always seemed a bit more like just sort of its Westeros equivalent of leprosy. Mm-hmm. And it was left pretty vague in a lot of ways. Well, and because Shireen has it, and does Patchface have it also, I thought? I don't remember. So Patchface is, for some reason, they don't include most of the fools. Mm-hmm. Uh, in King's Landing, they have Moon Boy, and there's all sorts of comments about Moon Boy, which I love. And at Dragonstone, they have Patchface, who basically, Marine, uh, Marine, Shireen uh, was drowning after an accident, and he basically surfaced with her. And um, I think, I thought he had it, I don't know, but they always called him Patchface. And ever since then, he was a bit of a fool, but. Many people say that the things that he says are more prophetic mm-hmm. than just gibberish. Yeah. But he would he would sing these songs and then at the end go, oh, ho, I know. Oh, ho, I know. And I'm yeah. sure it would be very silly on screen, but it's just this little added piece. 
so we the new two characters with it already. Yeah, the nod to um his his creepy weird songs. Um, when we first met Shireen, actually, she she was singing uh, a version of that one yes. of the, his songs. Yes, which was neat. And then and then the story that Gilly tells is just ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. That wasn't in the books, right? I don't. Remember. I don't think so. Yeah. And I just, I love Gilly's character. She's just so pragmatic about everything. Um, I I I really like how they've developed her as a character in the mm-hmm. show. There's not really a lot to her in the books, but in the show, she's just got this. She's you know she's got the things that really mean the most to her, which is primarily her kid. He likes Sam an awful lot too, but she's certainly willing to call him out on his bullshit when it comes up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I like her. And and we get her perspective, which is not the same as a regular wildling, mm-hmm. because she's a craster's daughter. Right. Yeah. All the other wildlings have more of a culture, and then the crasters are like the golers. They're they're mm-hmm. inbred, you know, mountain folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Plus, we, we get a little bit of a clue of what Sam has planning, just in one of his throwaway lines of yes. he's, he's researching the rules and history of who gets to be Lord Commander and how that all works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we jump into uh, Stannis and John talking uh, with mm-hmm. Davos, of course, and we get our holy shit moment number two, you could be John Stark, which... Somebody had mentioned uh, in the, the preview or the, the reaction or something. I don't remember. Yeah, we talked last week just a little bit about how, you know, we had that initial scene where he kind of didn't quite actually say that. Although one one thing that occurred to me here, too, is that right now Stannis promising Winterfell to John is a little bit like how they promised Hall to everybody back right. in planning for a while because it's like, we don't actually have Heron Hall occupied mm. right now. No. But in theory, if we ever win the war and chase the enemies out of it, then you can have it. <laughs> At least Winterfell is nearby, you know, at least it's kind of stuck. Well, it seemed implied of, of help me take it back and it's yours. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that um, it, it's important to note that Dennis is the only one that the watch has heard from. They've exactly. sent people yeah. down to King's Landing. They've sent letters to all of the supposed kings. And mm-hmm. the only one to even send a reply, not just a no, like nobody even said no. They didn't even reply. Mm-hmm. So the only person to do anything was Stannis. So, so far as they know, this is the most legitimate king. Yeah. But at the same time, mm-hmm. yeah. he's still not king. So there's well, yeah, I mean, I I think they they have news though. Like they know that Tommen's on the Iron Throne and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, they but, they've gotten news because they they are still plugged into the Maester News Network. Well, and, and they still their their Maester is a Targaryen. So I mean, they they know what's going on and they know to stay out of it. And so mm-hmm. the fact that their rescue comes with like this kind of hook stuck in the middle of it is just really intriguing. I think. So there's mm-hmm. a couple of things to note that's different. Um. First off, like the way that a lot of these scenes are happening are all jumbled up in the timeline, like because uh, I don't know. Anyway, well, can it we, feels can more we, jumbled. But I, first, can I ask Chooch anything before we talk about the timeline from the book? I just want to get like where do, where is Chooch? Where are you at with with Castle Black and all this stuff that's going on as a non-reader? 
What do you mean? Like, does it make sense to you um, as like what Stannis is doing there? And did the leap there make sense as his, is his like um, his kind of, I guess, ultimatum to Mance. Does all of that make sense to you? Oh yeah. 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 When, when he first wrote in to save them, I thought it was going to be the, the brothers without banners, but they're still wandering around somewhere, but yeah. <laughs> With Thoros, yeah. But uh, yeah, I totally get what he's doing and, and how it's going. Yeah. So one of the things is Stannis insists that if John takes this, he needs to pledge to R'hllor mm-hmm. and take R'hllor as his god. And he needs to burn the weirwood trees. Oh. Which is huge. And they have mm-hmm. not included it in the show. And I think it works a bit better for the show. Because mm-hmm. I think in the show, if especially after we just had that, that funeral mm-hmm. for for um uh Grit. Thank you. <laughs> and and all the stuff with Bran. Yeah, yeah and all the stuff with Bran, it would be really hard to believe that John would be willing to burn the werewolves. And it's not until um, because at, in the books at this point, Ghost has not returned. Mm-hmm. We got Ghost back last season, but in the books, Ghost hasn't returned. And it's not until he sees Ghost's face. He's ready to take it. And then he sees Ghost's face, and it reminds him of the Weirwood Tree. It reminds him of what it is to be a Stark. Right. And how could he take the name and turn his back on the old gods? And so he's decided that he's going to turn it down. Mm-hmm. Before the election ever happens. Well, he tells Tim he's decided to turn it down. But you're right that some of the other stuff. Um, I think that um, you're right that they they simplified that partly for time, but also partly just because I think they wanted it to feel a lot more like a much more tempting choice. Whereas yeah. our instinct right. with the the other bits, what you know. If you, you need to convert, you need to burn the weirwood trees. I think that would get everybody's red flag alert going right away. Like, no, don't do that. Whereas this one, I, this way, it's almost a little bit more like we do kind of half want him to do it. Right. Yeah, what absolutely it's, wanted him to do it. I mean, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's Winterfell. It's the Stark name. It's a wife. It's children. It's like a life that he never dreamed of for himself. What do you think, Chooch? Um, yeah. What were you he, saying? Right when he talks to Sam and says, it's the first thing I ever remember wanting. And I'm going to mm-hmm. refuse him. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah. fucking Starks. <laughs> Even if he doesn't have the name, well, he's fucking Starks. <laughs> well, but you know what? The thing, that, one of the things that I think is so interesting about like John between uh, Ned and Mance as being like father figures, I've got a whole like thing about it. But um, I think it's unfortunate that the honor and stuff that Ned like beat into those kids, which they've all been paying for, regardless of whether you think it's, you know, chaotic good or neutral good or whatever, um, is that, you know, honor before anything else. So it's, if I remember correctly and tell me if I'm wrong, please, but John even found a little distasteful for there to be a bastard at the head of Winterfell because it wasn't done. You know, the Stark family had such honor and that, you know, he was a bastard. He knew he was a bastard. He knew he wasn't a Stark by law, and even if they made him a Stark by law, that he would still be a bastard. Yeah, it felt he kind of felt like he was cheating somehow. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and part of it is, I think, also because his father 
didn't request it. And that's what he really wanted. Mm -hmm. It's not so much to have a king legitimize you. It's to have your father request it because that means that you are his son. It is Mm -hmm. just absolutely so painful to watch play across his face. I think, I think this is my favorite season with um, John. He's just like totally, I think he's just amazing this season, his character. And I think the portrayals, I think, and I really think it's just what they're letting him do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't really, I saw him in one other thing, Kit Harrington, and I, I mean, it just felt like he was limited by the direction as well. But it's curious to see now that, now that he's got more than just, you know, I'm a bastard and I miss my family and my dad doesn't love me. And now he's got a lot more to deal with. And it's just, it's just absolutely mesmerizing the way those scenes played out, I thought. My only nitpick, and it's mm-hmm. only a nitpick, but okay. about this sequence is really just that I wish they had seeded a little bit earlier that this whole night, uh, Lord Commander um, yeah. election was going to happen because it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere here. They hadn't really been worrying about it for a long time, um, you know, and Thorne was just acting commander, but just nobody ever said, well, yeah, but there's going to be an election coming up. Right, it did so kind I, of pop up. Yeah, so I think I just wish that they had there had been just a line here, a line there at some point, even just last last week, to kind of say that this was coming. Yeah, right. Again, it's like it it wasn't out of nowhere. It was planned. We just didn't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. and in the books, they were they were having a tie, mm-hmm. a three way tie, and they couldn't get a consensus, and so mm-hmm. and and two of the people involved were. Neither they hated each other so much that neither of them could withdraw from the race mm-hmm. in order to, to get it to move on. And it gets to a point where Stannis says, "Your Lord Commander will be chosen tonight. Yeah. That's it. I, or yeah. if you don't choose, I will." Yeah, or something to that effect. I'm not sure if yeah. it's I will. But I, I gotta say, I'm glad they cut out all the political crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so long. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it works better this way. And and the whole thing too is that like half of the way they sell it is that like with this omen with Mormont's yeah. crow that talks and it can say snow and so like Sam rigs up this whole thing where like they break open the the pot to get the tiles and a crow or like a crow lands and goes snow 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 yeah. and it's just like totally contrived and it just feels like what? <laughs> so I kind of I like th- because the thing is, as it plays out in the scene, I, I just feel like, first of all, we get the idea that Sam has maybe had some wishful thinking ideas of something of this nature for a while, and maybe that's why he was down there researching it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, although maybe he would just be researching it because he knew the election was coming up generally, and he wanted to be informed. But then this idea of hearing from John, you just got offered like everything you ever wanted, and you're turning it down because of your vow. Right. Dude. Yep. Dude. And then um, when he's, you know, saying, okay, well, who's our other candidates? Well, we got Thorne and who's like, uh, like he's got some good points, but he's kind of a jerk. We don't like yeah. him. Yeah. Then there's Dennis Malister, um, which I, I guessed Cooch is maybe the character you felt like you didn't remember who he was. They, they gave his resume, but I don't remember I, I'm before. not sure he was ever actually shown on the show before. Yeah, or not. I don't remember. He's from another tower. Yeah, he's one of the one of the other castles. 
Um, but in any case, certainly it's like, who's this guy? We don't, and he's old. Mm. Who, he's like, is he any good? I don't know. And so I think he, Sam is just thinking, you know what? John is better than either of these guys, and I'm going to tell people so. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like you hear his speech, oh. and it's like you got to you got to imagine there's people in the room going, damn. You know, <laughs> you know there's some good yeah. points there. I wouldn't have necessarily thought about it because mm-hmm. he's so young, but. Yeah, I yeah. in the in the books the thing with the crow I actually really enjoyed I liked it I thought it was neat especially because the reason why there's like a bit of a tie or something is Don Snow doesn't vote because he leaves and so all this happens with without him being there mm-hmm. or he leaves it for part of it I I don't remember exactly but. It's it's kind of neat and it's monumentous and you can see how people are swept up in the moment and he's able to win and then later they're having second thoughts like did I what really want to vote that way mm-hmm. but in this way there's convincing arguments that are made people are invested I think it's definitely more earned it it's got more momentum behind it but because we've got this tie we can see already that more than half of those voting did not want him. Yeah. Mm. And so you know he's already got a struggle on his hands, which I think is more interesting and a better dynamic than people going, I can't believe I voted this way because of a stupid crow. I, mm-hmm. I'm Again, I'm just glad that they left all that political stuff out because it did kind of, I thought, like you said, it just... Mm-hmm. Went on and on until Stannis had to intercede because it was like, it was too much like DC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's just the thing of the, like, my biggest note from that whole scene was that just basically all of Westeros owes Samwell a hand job because yep. of ever. I mean, his research, his presentation of facts, everything he did to alter the votes not just with the brothers that were in the room, but even to John himself, because even John was like, oh, you know, maybe I could do this. Yeah, because he was was like, don't get up, don't stand up, yeah. Right. Yeah, but I mean, he even, I think he he sold John on the idea Mm -hmm. that he was already doing the job, and he was honest, and he was direct, and he was funny, and like Nutty said, it was when he mattered, and and Janice got his due, Slint got totally called out. I think that may have been my favorite part. I love that. When Mm -hmm. Sam pointed out that he was hiding in the food larder with a female and a baby (laughs) during the battle. If I can point out, by the way, candies do not break the vows of the Night's Watch. (laughs) See? It's still, it's a way to honor. Well, you know, like as Sam pointed out last season, technically their vows don't (laughs) actually really even say they can't have sex. Yeah, that's just not supposed to father children. Well, let's be honest. That's why he spends so much time in the library is looking for those loopholes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love that um, Maester Mormont. And not Mormont, sorry. Master Uh, Amen. Master Amen is is the deciding vote. The time. I just I thought that was so cute, and he does it with his little giggle. <laughs> I love the actor playing him. Yeah, I'm so happy they got him, even if he can't wear violet contacts. I'm so happy yeah. that he's there because he's just perfect. That was, well, I mean, that was awesome. He didn't have to say a thing. Yep, yep, they're even. Blink, done. <laughs> Which is the, the holy shit number three for me was Lord Commander <laughs> Snow, and I immediately thought. 
and I was looking at the chips. So he's got about 42% of the vote against him. Now, if Thorne had won, it would have been a landslide. You know, the other guy probably would have gotten the same amount of votes. Yeah, like if Malister had dropped out and let Thorne just run on a you know unopposed, and if it was just Thorne or you know John Snow, no, 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 I'm saying without John, yeah, that oh yeah, Malister would have lost anyways, and Mm -hmm. it would have been a landslide. And Malister was the third party that split the vote. All of those Mm -hmm. people are now against really against John. And so I think that, that John just has much bigger morale problems than Thorne would have had because Thorne's definitely, there's definitely morale problems, but. Suddenly made me think of that old Simpsons episode of don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Do not get me started on politics. politics. Jeez. How about, um, uh, just the whole three party well, system. Well, shoot, I was okay. I was gonna say. Well, how about uh, the uh, discussion of the death penalty? Um, but that we actually have Arya's scene before we go back over. Yeah. To- yes. Yeah. Yes. We jump back to Bravos in the streets when Arya's about to throw down. It's like now. I have a serious question for you guys. Why do you think that that encounter leads? who we discover to be Jekyll. Why is that what convinces him to show himself and bring her back? What do you say, Chooch? Hmm. I think it was essentially, you know, the waiting around wasn't any good because she has every other place to be. So now she's actually going about making her way. And some, this comes along and she gave them the choice, basically. Yeah. And um and it's the thing um the holy shit number 4 for me is it's it's him it's him you know. <laughs> Back I was trying to look I don't remember when I had said Aww. it. I referenced it in like season early early season 4 that as you know I think she's going to go do this. I was going to try to find the audio thing to drop but <laughs> and how I feel bad that I want her to be trained by him because it's this life of death and all that, but that's really the life she's going to lead anyway. So, um, (laughs) you're kind of already on that path. Yeah. Right. And the thing that I like about it is it does seem, it seems really balanced. It's not death willy nilly. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not anarchy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She was foraging for food. She got challenged. She was defending herself and she gave them a choice. Yeah. To me, it's like, so he was watching her and this was, she presented, she gave somebody the balance, the choice of, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. want to do this. And what was that line? Dead men don't want anything or dead men don't need things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the line. I think think, um, nothing's worth anything to dead men. That was it. And it reminds me of the whole God of Death thing. Yeah. And and I, I think that was the turning point. It definitely mm-hmm. showed a lot of maturity of what she had experienced since the last time she'd seen him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that it's Jaken in, in the show. Makes it easier for me. <laughs> yeah. It's going to make us care about these people. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different characters that she's supposed to interact with, and this will be a lot easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. And although it yeah. it does squash I, my whole is Cereal Pharrell also shaken, 
That was one of PG. Yeah. Oh, I honestly, well, I don't know that that's incompatible with anything. Oh, it's we've completely seen. not incompatible. Right. Yeah, um, it's still there. But uh, I, yeah, I kind of had mixed feelings seeing it. Like, like on the one hand, it's kind of cool having it be Jackin, and I also see how that really simplifies the storytelling in the show, because again, it minimizes the number of brand new characters we have to introduce, and it's clear that the house of black and white is associated with him anyway. So it's yeah. not like there's no connection already established. So I guess I see the benefit of it, but I don't know. Somehow I would, I didn't find myself thrilled when it happened. I think maybe I just have to think about it some more, see how it plays out. As pure viewing experience, not having the books mm-hmm. to go on. This is, this is exactly what I wanted. I'm very, very, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think as someone that read what Arya went through before and and what, you know, this entering the doorway was in the books, I'm freaking thrilled that it's Jack in because it, I, I that was I was worried about whether or not I was going to be able to watch all of this season because of an element that they've postponed and because of of not wanting to see Arya go through this with these people that I didn't recognize. But now that I see that Jaquen is there, I'm like, oh, whew, okay, well, at least I think she'll be okay. She thinks she'll be okay. And so just to be able to see her have a little hope again, which we hadn't really seen on her face. I mean, we've seen it, but like to see it kind of pay off for her, at least she thinks it's paid off for her for the first time in a really long time is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like how the the teenagers run as soon as they see the faceless man. <laughs> right. They're just like, oh my God, I gotta go. Like everybody in Bravos knows what's up. Um, in the books, it's not the ship captain that rows her there. It's his son. But they also talk about how like throughout the entire trip, everybody's giving her little gifts and they're basically sucking up to her. And that's how much power this house of black and white has. Like it, everyone respects it. You know, everyone mm-hmm. knows what's going on. So when they see the faceless man and they go running, it's just, it's kind of neat. I'm like, okay. So they told us how important it was in one scene. In one scene. Yeah. Instead of like five. <laughs> well, and they, I think that the shot, the first view you yeah. get of it when you're on the little boat, you know, you've got the city and it's like Venice and it's little vendors and little boats and it's very communal. And then, separated from everything else is this huge almost not sterile mm. but it's just one of the most featureless yeah it's huge, just a huge block with no yeah. windows or anything and yeah. there's a black door and a white door and so it's like what the you know that she's going into and so i think the only way that a lot of viewers would be able to handle her going into that kind of a thing entering those doors not knowing what's on the inside is having a face that we knew and that we trusted whether we should or not. And at this point we do because who else, <laughs> what else are we going to do? Where's Arya going to go? I mean, what? Is there, I, I also love how her list is shorter. Is there anybody left? <laughs> do her what, list, honey? Yeah. Her list is four. much shorter. She's down to four. Yeah. Well, she, even, but she took some people off of it that aren't dead though. Like no. she, Mel, she put Melisandra on the list when she took Gendry. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. I just was realized it was that. down to four. I forgot who she left off. I hadn't mm-hmm. remembered that because they didn't meet in the book. So yeah, mm-hmm. because Tyron and Joffrey are dead. The Hound is dead. <sighs> yeah, I didn't even catch that one. Mm-hmm. So far, I actually know. got hung up on Marin Trant because I was like, didn't he die at Blackwater? Yeah. But no, he's not. And then they showed him in a scene later in the episode. So I was like, derp. 
It does occur to me. I I don't think that that's new because I don't. I I think when she talked about the list with the hound last season, I don't think she mentioned Melisandre there either. Okay. Hmm. So I think it might have been a while since since then. Interesting catch, Miss Miss Alice. Um, Well, in you know, to be fair, I did I did read someone else observing it, so I didn't I didn't notice it myself. I'm still giving you credit for reading it. Fair enough. <laughs> I found uh, Jockin's transformation interesting, and and uh, his original transformation. I mm-hmm. remember uh, calling to it, and I don't know if it's if it's purely you know a financial decision or if they're doing it this way. That in the the when he originally went away, left her. Mm-hmm. It, it you know it was just a simple cut. They didn't show transformations. So you don't know if it's a uh-uh. disguise, a mask, no. and it seemed like he was further away and up a hill. So it almost seemed like a, a magical thing. And here again, yeah. it's a clear, blatant cut. And yeah. so we don't know if it's a mask or did she see like mm-hmm. morphine or. This seemed more like a mask. I think you're right. They did a really excellent job on editing, so you weren't quite sure, but. Um, I actually, I'm such a dork that when uh, the episode where Jaquin changed faces um, seasons ago or whenever it was, I actually took pictures of the screen of what he looked like right before and then right after. And because I thought maybe he's going to show up again as that that guy, you know, and <laughs> I'll catch it. But no, right back. And it was, it was, yeah, it was because it was, he was turning back and facing her and then he turned back. And then when he turned back again, his face was changed. So we didn't see anything other than he turns back and it, he even, there was a streak hair streak change or something too. It was very mysterious. The camera went behind her this time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, the, oh, right. but the previous one that you were talking about when he was a little further away and he turned back and he looked one way and then faced forward and then did his change that we didn't see turned mm-hmm. back. And that's when we saw the third face that right. we, or what we think may be the third face of Syria Pharrell, but definitely mm-hmm. the second face of Jockin. And, and we've now seen a third face confirmed for him. And I like how Aria knows what's up. Aria <laughs> knows about the transformation because she watched it. Yeah. But we don't. So that shows that he's bringing her into the sanctum. Yeah. Her sanctum. She's getting Ooh. the knowledge. We're not getting the knowledge. And I also think that even if they had decided it's going to be a a, a transition kind of a thing, like I think this is so much better than using some form of special effects. Yeah. I think that this is more of a wow moment Mm -hmm. visually. I think I like the mystery. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I like that she gets to know something that we don't for a change. Yeah. Well, because in the books we're in her head. The, um, the thing that I, uh, I don't know the way I kind of explain it in my head though is I, I like to imagine that whatever magic or techniques or combination of the two more likely um, is involved in the way the face gets changed. Um, I like to think that the way it works to the viewer is that somehow like you, you can never see it happening. It's it's mm-hmm. it's like somehow you'll be watching, you'll be watching, and then you'll like blink and it's gone already. Or it's yeah. it's it's and like you can't, you won't be able to watch it changing. It's just some somehow there's like it's it's just like <laughs> like you you can't it's perceive done. the change. It's just yeah. you you notice when it's done already somehow. That's yeah. the way I've always blinking. You miss it. The one last thing to maybe talk about um, is just how he kind of finishes it. Cause you know, she's 
not getting letting him get away with like I asked for Jack and Hagar. Mm-hmm. You said, <laughs> um, but then he said, you know, like a man is, you know, a uh, man becomes no one or something like that, which is what a girl must become. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, she must oh, become. What does no that one. mean? Yeah. It's scary until you kind of think of, because I was like, you know, that was one of the things about the book that kind of made me go, hasn't she been through enough? She has to become no one or nothing now. Jesus, she's been a rat. She's been a steward. She's been bait. She's been, well, just everything. And, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, it, it made me sad until I realized that she had played all these roles, that she's kind of been practicing and honing skills and, and mm-hmm. learning how to put on different faces and personas all this whole time, just in surviving. And he probably recognized that as well. Mm-hmm. Or I'm talking out of my ass. <laughs> Sheriff Bullock says, this is a bit random, but the House of Black and White reminds me of Detroit's abandoned Michigan Central Station, which is this huge monolith of a building often photographed for those urban decay books. Mm. Mm. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Very depressing. Thank you, Sheriff. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, let's do our uh, last couple scenes back in Marine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the um, uh, moment of truth comes and the scales of justice are a bitch. Yeah. I was, on, I was so pissed on Danny's behalf twofold. Know. One, when she's confronting him for having killed the guy, I was just in Danny's shoes going like, Dude, you just fucking forced my hand here. Yeah. Because I can't let you just get away with this now because then I look weak and it looks like I don't have real justice. It's only yeah. justice for people that I don't like already. But if you're my buddy, then I let you get away with shit. Right. Totally and and then he's like doing this whole thing of like, oh, I know your hands were tied, so I did it for you. And he And she's like, oh, so the message you want to communicate to everybody else is that I can't get anything done and I have to rely on people doing things directly against my will. Right. Like, so, like, I just, I was so, like, pissed on her behalf of just, like, dude, you you just ruined everything. This is all your fault. Yeah. And it makes her look weak because she can't even protect her own prisoners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of a message is that? Yep. And then... They go to do the whole execution thing, and then the slaves are just fickle bitches. Um, and I'm just wanting to be like, it's like, I freed you from slavery, and you're mad because I killed a murderer just because yeah. he's your buddy? Fuck you guys. That's exactly. what I wanted her to do. Big double deuce to the whole crowd. That's <laughs> Yeah, I was on well, the edge of my seat, is you know, looking around and like, you know, Barrison's like, I don't know, and I'll be like, yeah, do it, and then like, which way is he gonna go? And I yeah. think she made the right choice. I think it's the only choice she could have made. Yeah, yeah. I'm reminded I, of a scene from a Bronx Tale. Oh, tell me, and, I love that. Uh, the Colangelo uh, asks, and I think he asked this a couple of times, and he says, "Is it better to be feared or loved?" Mm. And Sonny explains. That love is fine, but it's fickle. Yeah. Fear will keep a man loyal. Yeah. And father, you know, of course, goes with love and that, you know, fear means that they're never really your friends. But it does remind you of the whole idea that they love her. She's her, their savior. 
But if suddenly somebody, as we've all experienced, especially with celebrities, we're like, oh, my gosh, everything this person says is so cool. And then they say something that goes against what you think. And you're like, whoa, OK, maybe maybe I don't like them so much anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I read, because they're all yelling Misa, which means yeah. mother. Mm-hmm. So like the guy that murdered the prisoner mm-hmm. and then, you know, all of the freed slaves and literally everyone except for the masters and the insulators screaming, mommy, 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 don't do it, mommy, mommy. And it's like between the dragons and between all the people that she's rescued, it's like everybody has gotten into their terrible twos stage and everybody's just mm-hmm. throwing poop against the walls and and just like making a big mess and so that there's absolutely nothing that she can do right because it's a lose-lose. She's either going to enforce what's right and just have to deal with Obviously, it's already happening, a tantrum that's going to end in a lot of death, or uh, she's just going to have to keep yelling and putting her foot down, and it's just, or she gives in and it makes the, the behavior worse, like you guys are saying, makes makes her look weak all around, mm-hmm. and it's just every single person that she has taken care of or rescued or helped or birthed like the dragons, you know, it's just like they want vengeance, and she just wants a peaceful rule and an end to, like, the assassinations by the heart that the harpies and and just it's just ridiculous it's in spite of like her dress and demeanor she still finds herself kind of like as a child almost stuck between you know viscerous and master illyria or drogo or somebody again it's like for all mm-hmm. that she's done she's still back in that place where she's scrambling to try and regain control and one know. thing is the crowd when they see him they start chanting brother yeah, and that's exactly. another thing that I think is really interesting, because they don't see this as the they don't see her as their ruler. They see her as their mother. Yeah, she's their mother, not the master's mother, but their mother's. Yeah, and that she's their savior, and he is one of their brothers. Mm-hmm. And so to them, it's unfair she's killing one of the family, mm-hmm. and for a mm-hmm. master. Yeah, and and I can't help but think that maybe her plan of public execution might have been a bit far. Plus, you know, the master was going to get a trial, and yeah. this guy didn't get well, a trial. No, I, I, know I he think confessed. the no the well that and also I think the implication was that that bit where he's pleading his case in front of her that's the trial. This, oh, is not, this is not the United States where they have a jury yeah, yeah, that's true. and stuff like he, that. He was trial not confessed. Yeah. Okay. So but, I, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. You've, you've convinced me. Yeah, um, I mean, but, being pissed, just, she didn't show mercy and she could have. Yeah, they, they, they asked for mercy. She didn't mm-hmm. show mercy. They, they felt she was on their side. And she's not what they thought she was. Mm-mm. She mm-hmm. thought she was going to rule the city and they thought she was going to give the city to them. And again, they would terrible win. twos. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's that is a problem when when people become sycophantic, they can become uh fickle when people, you know, take a person and elevate them to almost godhood or in their case, you know, the, their mother. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely got this godlike persona to them. That can be very dangerous. I mean, as we're seeing, we're starting to wonder about the idea of the evangelical pharaohs. These people mm-hmm. were kind of evangelical Danny. And right. suddenly, yeah. wait a minute, we're not your mm-hmm. chosen people? I thought we were. Yeah. 
So thanks a lot, Mosada. You screwed ev- screwed up everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely everything. But uh, I literally if she everything. had a different punishment for him. How that might have played out, but I don't. I don't know what the right thing would have been. I don't know. It just felt. I, I very think she harsh was right. Me. I think that was the only thing she could do, especially if she wants to prove that she can rule there and then cross the sea and take over Westeros again. Sucks. Yeah. See, I have to say, like, I I feel like I have always been on the side of thinking that it's the right thing for Danny to do to try and hang out there in Marine for a while. Um, you know, I call it her starter kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but at the same time, I have to say the emotional reaction I had at this at the end when they were hissing her and everything, again, it's mm-hmm. like I just I wanted her to say, Oh, well, how about you guys just free yourselves from slavery next time? I'm out. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm out of here. Yeah. Screw you guys. Um, I'm going home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just, it's. I, I can't yeah. wait to see what she does next week. It'll be really interesting to see fallout from this. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's, it's, shit got real after they, you know. Well, because. got real. Because, of course, there's one last scene after all of that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We've got another and, one. And I had, I have some real thoughts about that, but we can, you guys can go first if you want. <laughs> my thought was just what your thoughts were because of your previous discussion about <laughs> what the dragons are up to and what Drogon's up to. So uh, I was very excited to see him and he's coming back. And, and so the first thing that I was thinking is, Oh, well, you know, her path isn't okay. I don't think he'd come back just because she made a great decision, you know? It, yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of connecting with her and then taking off was like a mom, come on. Oh, okay. That's going into what Cristiano was saying before, and I don't huh. know if you had heard that at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that that was my first note. Was I wanted your interpretation of that? Was you know what? How did you read that scene? Because I wasn't really clear on how I read that scene quite yet. Because I think it's well, ambiguous yeah. on purpose. Yeah, for me, it was like you know, there's joy, and oh my God, he's still alive, and then holy shit, he just flew away. What's he going to do now? <laughs> you know, he's alive, but he's going to go kill more people and I've already got shit going on here. And I think it's joy that he's not tied up in the basement, but also, oh crap, he's not tied up in the basement like the other two because he was the real wild card of the three, I think, mm-hmm. which is you know why he was free and the others weren't. Well, I think he was the one that actually killed the kid that was... Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh the, yeah, yeah, inspired totally. the whole thing. He was the one. Absolutely, they're yeah. being punished mm-hmm. for his actions. Um, totally, I that's think, why they're crazy. I think, I think he's testing her. I think he's waiting for something. Um, I think uh, she has to be really careful, and that um, he's waiting for to decide something. Um, and it's nice that he does not lash out at her like the others did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's not in prison. Well, yeah. and he's the one that scared her the first time. Yeah. And I, last season. I wonder, or I personally believe, that he knows where his uh, brothers are. Well, they would, I mean, wouldn't, they would have to almost, wouldn't they? they I mean, I guess I kind of thought of them as dogs and being able to hear each other. And those are some loud fucking dragons and those <laughs> are some cavernous halls. Well, I mean. Regardless, I mean, they're not out in the sky with no. him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's no. been staying away on purpose. Like he, I, he knows more. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, something just fell. As long as we don't more. go into anything spoiler, because then I don't know what's that. happening next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't spoiled anything. <laughs> no, that's I, that was my profound. Like, please no. mm-hmm. remember us. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, certainly kind of like Chooch said, just in continuing like that, my sort of working theory, it's again, not spoilery, but it's just sort of the, the, it's the grand scale theory of like what the dragons represent and, uh, and why they act the way they do and having it be somewhat representative of she increasingly loses control of them to the extent that she's not doing what she is quote supposed to be doing according to whatever power decides these things, right? And actually, one of the things that occurred to me almost for the first time um, at the end of this episode was this idea that if we imagine that there is some, you know, intent, whether it's, you know, want to call it a god or what, or some force that is deciding what her destiny is and is having the dragons either behave or not accordingly, who's to say that that force is necessarily good you know what i mean yeah but one of the other things that's more just sort of speculation rather than something that's been shown but what it really came down to also i was thinking this time was i think one of my favorite descriptions from the book that i don't think they ever said this way in the show but it's the idea that magic is a sword without a hilt that there's no way to wield it safely. It's sharp and it can do damage, but it's going to do damage to you too, because it's, you can't, there's nothing to hold it with that doesn't cut up your own hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the dragons, that's what they are. And I think again, in terms of the dragon sort of representing what she's doing, this idea that she made what she believes to be the right decision, even though there's fallout is, is this idea of, you know, look, if you want to accomplish something, it's never going to look pretty. If you feel like this is the right way to go and this is the thing you believe this is the right thing to do and you do it, even though there's fallout and people get pissed, that's kind of what the dragons are all about is that, you know, it's like, look. And, and again, it's like the, the response of locking up the dragons because they killed a kid. It's one of those things just like we can certainly say it seems awful that a kid was killed. But we also have to say, what is the broader context of what it means for her and her power and how she is seen right. in the world at large Yeah, that she's locking up her dragons? So it's like at the same time that we don't want little kids getting eaten, which is awful, it's, there's probably bigger stakes in play that are potentially negatively impacted by her locking her dragons away. Well, even if you go beyond the devastation to the local, you know, populace, then mm-hmm. it's tr- tremendously huge, you know, the impact of, and I don't know, it just, that's all very, I got to think about all that stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> I again, I put too much thought into it. none of this is concrete. It's not like there's a, an answer. It's more just, I think, right. thematically, the thing is, it. It's just emblematic of it was foolish and naive to ever think that you could do something as big as freeing, ending slavery and conquering cities without people having to get freaking killed along the way. Yeah, at age 15 these or 14. Things, or these things are too big 
to be done bloodlessly. Mm. It's just not possible, and it's foolish to think otherwise. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean you can't be sad when it happens, but you also need to not be surprised. And I think that's kind of maybe some of what's going on, which is like her whole thing here is that she made the decision that she felt like she had to, even though she knew people were going to be mad, you know, and yet she was kind of, I think, taken aback by how mad they were. Yeah. But at the same time, that doesn't make it the wrong decision. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, just her being known as the the mother, the Misa, Mm -hmm. referring to each other as brother and that sort of thing. I mean, what's the running, I, I guess, I don't know if it's a trope or what, cliche of everybody's mother damaged them so much they need therapy. I mean, did she think she wasn't going to get any shit splashed on her? She's a mom. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all, you're, you're supposed to be the one that encourages and inspires and also the one to give boundaries and the one to give, you know, discipline and the one to teach and the one, and half the time you spend just like her learning from them, how you're going to react mm-hmm. the next time. And I think we've seen a lot of characters, Sansa and Arya and John and Brienne and God, almost pretty much all the characters that I love have been absolutely stripped down and have had to challenge and face what they really believed, like what John mm-hmm. had to do. Yeah. You know, it's it's fascinating shit. <laughs> well, and to just put the whole the whole motherhood angle on it. You know, if she, the uh, former slaves, that whole faction is really angry now. But if we want to think of it as like, say, feuding siblings, you know, what has happened is that, you know, you got to, you know, the, the older kid has the toy and then it's the younger kid's turn. Yeah. (laughs) But then when it's the younger kid's turn to, you know, to give it back to the older kid, they don't want to. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't want to have give up their turn and actually take fair turns. And so they start crying and it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do to make them do it, even though they get mad. Yeah. And I think in in the broader context, if like this city is never going to be at peace unless these two factions can coexist. Right. And they're never going to learn how to do that if she caters to every time they get mad. Yeah. It was a really interesting episode on on I think every character's yeah like little stretch of story. And if I can say, Drogon looked awesome. He did. Aww, he really looked nice and healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy with how they've done the dragons so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time they're on screen, I'm like, you know what? That looks really good. And <sighs> that's one of the things that I had already put in my head before the ever greenlit uh, Game of Thrones on HBO that if I ever saw this on screen, I would have to be able to just deal with the fact that the dragons weren't going to look good. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's so nice to have that, um, you know, payoff, right? Be wrong. I like being wrong about that. So, well, it's such good. great subtle animation too. Cause you know, we talked about it being ambiguous, but just mm-hmm. that idea when she's reaching out, it's like, you're watching Drogon and you sort of feel like you don't know second to second. What, mm-hmm. what's yeah. he going to do? What is he about to do? Is he going to suddenly turn mean? Is he going to be let her pet him? What's going to happen? And then it's, it's just, they, they played that really well where we just had this uncertainty. Yeah. 
of what I he's going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't even processing it on the level that you were speculating where he's thinking of all these other undercurrents about my siblings and what have you done and oh. how that's all going to pay off. But yeah, it just, boy, that would have, that must have been. Well, all of those thoughts really only come afterwards anyway. You yeah. know, like in the moment I, I'm there, it's like, oh, is he going to let her go I just need to see those other dragons and make sure they're okay in the dark with no therapist and no Xanax or anything like that. Because they're going through some trauma right now. They're alone in the dark with their mama. <laughs> I think that wraps up that episode. Does yeah. anybody have a rating for it? Wants to go first. Uh, I'll I'll go first with um, um, eight out of ten circular tokens. <laughs> the nopes. <laughs> well, no, the oh, circular. No, that's the, one, the, votes, the votes for John. Ooh. Yeah. There were a couple though this episode because we had the coin and we had that too. That was a good one, Christiana. Hi, Luna. Team Snow tokens. <laughs> All right. Team How Snow. About you, uh, I am also going to give it 80%. Uh, Dragons definitely boosted up there. There were some highs. There were some lows. But uh, I'm pretty happy. And I'm also really happy about, you know, certain castings and portrayals. So uh, 8 out of 10. What the heck was my rating? Oh, uh, Park <laughs> Dragons. That was it. Of course. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with an un- un- uninventive 10 out of 10 stars. but i'm giving it 10 out of 10 because it delivered more than i hoped that it would and it's leaving me with more to think about so well good i went 10 as well this this blew me out of the water there were twists like i said there were four holy shit moments for me and (laughs) things that i liked and things that are um, (laughs) bad portents but but it did (laughs) Hit on everything for me, so I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 uh, puddles of slints making. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Slint nice. puddles. <laughs> oh, that sounds really bad. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, yeah, that's good. So um, that gives us a cumulative score of 90%. Uh, do we want to mention the title of next week? Please I don't do. know what it is. Oh, it is the, it is, sorry, not the, there's no the in it. A uh, high sparrow. Ooh, huge! Mm-hmm. What do you think's gonna happen? High sparrow. They're gonna get baked. No, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna find out that we, their base religion is Rastafarian. <laughs> they got their 420 off in the release schedule. <laughs> well, sparrow. Hmm. Happy Earth Day. Sparrow. I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm guessing we're going to see... I can't think of it without laughing now. <laughs> I guess we'll Hi, see... Uh, maybe we'll see what um, Thursday thinks about the new... What's his face? Septon? Lancel? Lancel. Ah, uh, Lancel. Gotcha. I had an R, R names going in my head. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Gary. Um, the contest count... I don't know if there's real I so it's if it's <laughs> characters I think it's really only our slave guy right? Can I just think that I just well isn't it isn't it on screen and named? We, I couldn't no, remember. The, the survey specifically we, said we named, named deaths. Named okay then <clears throat> none of the people Brienne killed had names. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, the even the sons of the harpy. I can't remember. I couldn't if they said his name. I didn't catch it. Mm-mm. The yeah. dwarf didn't have so. a name, right? And then even um, Mosador. I, I feel so. like I really only knew his name from reading it. I co- I couldn't remember if they said it in the show or not. But <laughs> otherwise, there's none. So <laughs> yeah, I, I have. He's, he's. I think he counts in the sense that we've certainly seen him before. We know who he is, yeah. even if we didn't necessarily know his name. I just, um, I think counting deaths is depressing. I think we need to think of something more fun, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I was thinking go back to the, our old school. So before it would be deaths and boobs, and I think we combo boobs with butts. No, PG ruled out boobs. Okay. <laughs> you really can't argue that, can you? <laughs> I thought if I don't... we combine it with the male on-screen thing that we have equal time and it's okay. But... My only issue with that is we haven't seen that much nudity anymore. Oh. Oh, and that does remind me of um, male on male. a I news story that. that I have seen. Uh, apparently, um, Amelia Clark has said that she won't be doing any more nude scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um that what we've seen this season is her double and go look that up because her double is very pretty and very close uh, to, to what Amelia Clark looks like and has been, uh, they've come up with some names, uh, Khaleesi ish. (laughs) Oh, or something like that. And and a couple other ones, but I think my favorite was Khaleesi ish. Um, But yeah, so that, that, that makes me think that there'll be less nudity on that character, at least. And it does feel yeah. like we've been getting less nudity. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we got a bum last week. But other than that, I mean, do, do butts even count? <laughs> nope. I mean, they did them on NYPD sh- Blue. Does it count? Like 20 years ago, they don't yeah. count. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have how that. about we'll new new characters? How about that? Oh, I like of that new one. Characters. How many new named characters? That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New to the show named characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we have uh, in the Q and A, Sheriff Bullock mm-hmm. says this was better than last week, but I had a few disappointments. The Jon Snow election did not feel as dramatic as the book. The water gardens look like regular gardens and not like I imagined them. Right. No Dorn on the map, exclamation point. Eight out of ten, smiling John Snows. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny with the water gardens. Um, they, they also didn't look like I envisioned them, but then it also occurred to me as I was even thinking that, that the vague visual impression that I had had was literally just like a water park, like you know, like water slides <laughs> and tide pools and stuff like that. So oh, and 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 um, water coming from the ground, spurting from the ground. The you know, like when you're in a water park and there's the kitty section and yeah, all, yeah, yeah. it just spurts out of the ground. I would totally pictured that. <laughs> in my mind, it was just like this big open like oasis in the desert, and it was just like stone and water everywhere and really lush and flowing and kids laughing and splashing and Prince flowers. Dorian standing there, huh? And flowers. I picked and just flowers. like really lush, like an oasis. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we get that scene, Nutty. I think we, Christiana, you and Nutty and I, we need to have that scene because I think they really, <laughs> I think that needs to happen for the readers. It could happen. They sound I, yeah. so serene. Oh, incidentally, for the last contest, we only had three surveys. 
which was Chooch and Viv and Nutty. (laughs) I only got mine in because I said, Chooch, quick, send it for me, because I was cooking. I I saw the little note to say, remember to do the quiz when it was 20 minutes since the episode. Uh, I was like, oh, right. I I, I saw that 20 minutes before the episode started, and I wasn't going to be watching it that night, but I was like, oh, I'm on my phone. I can do it on my phone, and I'm at a restaurant tapping it in. Uh-huh. I'm terrible. I know. Of course, I only bring this to attention because I won with the. Oh, oh wow. Well, <laughs> you were both over. Yes, I was. I think I, I, think I voted five. Yes. <laughs> I would have been way under had we counted non named people. Um, yeah. And Biz would have won. Me too. Because um, in terms of P- if we count everybody being slashed, it's probably yep. another four or five people, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. I yeah. think there was only two where it was a really obvious death, though, right? Yeah. A couple people maybe got yeah, sliced, but not. Uh... Yeah. yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a really good episode. I, th- I was happy to see her get her fight on again when she felt, like, really empowered to do it. Mm-hmm. I, that's when I love her the most, when she's the most passionate about something. It did occur to me just to wonder, first of all, it was interesting. I thought that Littlefinger was so obviously aggressive in that whole, why don't you stay? And my guards are literally going to try to block you from leaving the inn. Yeah. Um, It's one thing to say, she's going to cause trouble if we don't take care of her, but it seems surprising that he did it in such a blatant way. You know what I mean? Instead of sneakier. Because how many of his, well, but yeah, how many of his knights died though, because he played it that way instead of sending someone after her to, you know, shoot an arrow into her sleeping bag when she's asleep. Yeah. I think he underestimated her. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is that he's Mm -hmm. so used to everything that he does. Just, it all just, you know, Lysa falls out the moon door. Everything just works out fine. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I think that he has not come across somebody like Brennan, like Brian in a while. That's true. Like there's not a lot of people like Brienne. There's not because she's not just there because she's being paid to be there. She's being there because I mean, she can't. There, there is nothing else that I think is sustaining her at this point, other he than can, her need to fulfill any oath at this point. You know, bless her right. heart. Allegedly, he can't rely on her to act rationally. Yeah. No. And and the other thing is, the only experience he has of her is from Renly's camp, and yeah. he doesn't believe the shadow thing. He does yeah. not believe this shadow story one bit. So he thinks that she took advantage. While she was, uh, you know, taking Renly's armor off and killed him. And even if she didn't, she should have protected him. He can lay blame on her. You know, yeah. like he, he, mm. she was in there. She didn't protect him. She's no knight. She's just a woman. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. like, he has no reason to really fear her. Yeah. And they're he just, just, I mean, look, he just outsmit, outsmarted yeah. all of King's Landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody there. I mean, he walked out of there. He got away prize. with murder. He got away with Sansa. That's the prize. That's yeah. the North. <laughs> so. All right. He's a really fascinating character. He gets more and more interesting. This <laughs> is true. Can't deny it. I think any closing thoughts? I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Looking forward to next week. Uh, I yeah. actually watched the trailer this week, but it yeah. gave nothing away, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is good. 
I can't tell anymore what's next week and what's for the season. So I just yeah. am like, oh, look, cute. I wonder when that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think the only real thing we know for sure is that we're going to finally catch back up with, you know, Theon and Roos and Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. <laughs> Indeed. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining. I'll um, play our fancy yep. new outro music. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. Yes, thank you, everyone who joined us live. You yes, guys are awesome. Mm -hmm. And those <laughs> listening later. Yes, and those <laughs> listening later, of course. There's plenty of awesome to go around. Yes. Indeed. <laughs>